Rambouillet Gourmet Rambling. I'm your host, Quasi Joe Blow. Today I'm having an episode where I'm talking with someone who's been a uh, who's a glass blower. Uh, he's from Day. Well, he's from Centerville, Ohio, but he's you know hung around in the Dayton area. He has a workshop here, a really cool one. So we're just in his workshop and we're interviewing him. His name is Adam, and uh, he's been doing it for about a little under ten years. You said you've been blowing seven that? years. Under, like yeah, so yeah. seven years exactly. He's been doing it. So here we have Adam. What's going on, man? Shit. <laughs> yeah. Man, um, getting ready for this wedding. I'm oh, like yeah. bugging out a little bit. Not so much about like getting married, but like getting all this done. I'm yeah, ready to be yeah. done. Has it been a, you know, has it been like just real busy based around the wedding? Is it like crazy or is it, you know, just getting crazy now that it's getting close? A little bit, but just like planning a whole event for all these yeah, people. Like yeah. everyone's like, oh, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I'm like, no, I've been with this person. I'm happy, but like, yeah, yeah, I gotta make sure this goes well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Has it been a while? Yeah, I think we met like 2011, 2012. Yeah. So we've been around each other for a long time. All right, sweet. So you say you've been blowing glass for um, about seven years. So how did you like initially? Because I watched some videos before I knew that we were going to do the video. I mean, do the interview and everything. I um came uh you know i just looked at some videos on youtube and everything and i didn't know it was i knew that it was an intricate process but it's so many ways to do it it's so many ways you can go about it it's so many techniques and uh it's something that they say has been around before the roman uh kingdom and you know you know empire yeah and so it's been around around for a while so what brought you to it what was like at the point you're like i really want to do this uh i always really liked glass you know growing up smoking all that yeah, yeah so as i got a little older i started kind of collecting even just little dumb stuff and then as i started to find other artists who were making these really crazy pieces sculptural things really intricate scientific stuff i was like oh this is a whole other world like, yeah, that yeah. people don't know about yeah so i slowly got more and more exposed to that it was like i was getting ready to go to barber school like, oh, really? I, yeah. yeah, I was detailing cars for my buddy. I bounced around, like, kitchen jobs, convenience store jobs, nothing that I was really happy doing. But it was money, so I could Yeah, know. yeah. Um, and uh, actually, Taylor, who I'm getting married to, was like, you know, you should try to blow glass. I was like, I'm not that artistic. I'm not that good with my hands. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's like, you need to do this and quit playing around. Yeah, yeah. So I just started seeking out classes started talking to people like smoke shop owners like you know anybody around here that does this like you obviously do but none of them wanted to like really put me in with anybody yeah so out of all the people my mom comes home from work one day and she's like i got a phone number for you i was like what do you mean you got a phone number for me like okay so she gives me this guy's number that she got from someone she worked with and i just call this guy leave him a voicemail i was like hey i heard you were trying to teach people how to blow glass and start a team um you know, like, what, what's going on? He called me back. We met up at a Starbucks because he didn't want me coming to his house because <laughs> he was doing everything out of his house at the time. And he's like, yeah, you can start in, like, two months. I went back to the job I was doing for one of my buddies, like, detailing cars, and I was like, all right, August comes, I'm done. I'm yeah. quitting. Like, this guy said he's willing to teach me. So from then on out, it's been full-time glassblowing since. Yeah, so when did, was it, like, success straight start out, or was it more so, like, you were just having to grind and learn the art, or, like, what was the beginning stages of it? I honestly think I had one of the easiest starts out of anyone I know, because when you start this, you have to put all this money and time into getting the equipment, learning the stuff, and just failing over and over and over. 
so everyone's like, oh, yeah, what do you pay starting out? I'm like, well, what do you want to pay starting out? Like, yeah. <laughs> but this guy was willing to pay me by the hour to do simple, like, cut preps and do prep for him. Um, so I got really lucky my first, like, six months of doing this where I got to clock in, get paid, I mean, just 10 bucks an hour, but I got paid to do something even though I was messing up half the stuff I was touching. So I think, all in all, I had a really easy start. The craft itself came not very naturally to me. It was really hard to get down. But having How long? Was that like a six-month, two-year period? Yeah, that first year. So we were working in a garage, basically outside. Winter came along. I started in August. And winter came along, and I damn near quit. Mm. It was the most brutal. I was breaking everything I'm making. It's cold. Like, can't feel my toes cold. Yeah, And I was like, man, I'm about done with this. I can't get it. So I made it through the winter. After that, things started clicking a little bit. I would say it took me like a year, year and a half to where I felt like I wasn't breaking stuff all the time and actually like having some success with what I was doing. Yeah. But. Sweet. So was the uh, the guy that that you met at the uh, Starbucks, was he your mentor? Was he the person? Yeah. Um, yeah, he really helped me out and like put me onto all of this, taught me all the basics. And I really had to branch out on my own to be where I am now. But if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. At least in the capacity that I am now. He taught me a lot. Yeah. So was it, did you pass on to any, did you get with any other mentors or was it kind of like, a, you know, you stuck with him and you just taught yourself all throughout the way? So when I started with him, there were like four or five of us. I worked with him for a couple of years and we just kind of split ways um started up a small shop with a couple of friends and just being on my own not having anyone doing sales not having anyone to turn to when i had a problem with yeah. anything it was just on my own yeah now i knew other glass blowers so i could like kind of talk to them but they were way further ahead than what i was doing so i'd be like yeah i'm doing this and like why the fuck are you doing that mm, <laughs> it was like oh yeah. okay that's a whole other level if i wasn't even thinking about that yeah yeah but where did you meet these people? Was that around here? Were you traveling? Yeah, around here. Well, when I worked for the other guy, we traveled to go to like conventions, sales. I was trying to learn everything I could about this craft when I met him. So I'd take two weeks and not get paid to go out to Vegas and do a convention yeah. and drive back and hit sales the whole way. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful too. I made a lot of connections and learned a lot about like the sales side of things. But I met a lot of other glass blowers through him and just like Instagram and stuff. Um, but doing those two years by myself made me have to like really think about what I was doing and not just be like hey why is this wrong it's like no you gotta keep doing this and then figure out why it's wrong yeah so then slowly added more and more people just to the shop kept growing space and then eventually I picked up like uh, my buddy Beans he was my first apprentice picked up another one here recently so it's come kind of full circle yeah so I like, you know, the building that we're in right now, I remember, like I said, this is on the east side of Dayton, and I went to Wilbur Wright, and I mean, I've just been through here all my life, and I've just always wondered, like, what is this big building about? Like, I just never seen anybody really going in and out of it, excuse me, in or out of it, and so um, what is this building called again? This is the Davis Linden building. Yeah. Um, so this building was built in 1890 or something, like right around there. Yeah. Uh, it was originally the Davis Linden textile plant. Like the wings for the Wright Flyer were sewn here. 
uh, one of the original Huffy spots was in here. An old Maytag like retail like showroom was in here. There's been a lot of stuff to come and go. Yeah, and I mean a lot like, of history and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like this place saw the flood. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. So, um, is there like in your you know with glass blowing and particularly with you know what you're doing is there anybody that's like the god of doing this like oh my god like you know the michael jordan or the you know yeah there's a few guys that really push that envelope of what's going on in this community and then there's like the guys who got this started like bob snodgrass is the one person you think of when you think of like pipe making yeah he was going on dead tour and making these little like little just little spoons and selling them and stuff and uh he kind of found this new style of like color he was fuming gold and silver on the glass huh. and like he didn't invent it but he kind of really found out how to do it and push it and anyone you talk to if you talk about pipe making that knows anything like he is the guy he has a wealth of knowledge he's where's he from uh I want to say Oregon. Mm, I know he spent okay. some time in Eugene and all that, like out California, Oregon area. And he taught a lot of people. Yeah. He is one of those people when he's younger, he's like, well, I'm just going to learn as much as I can and spread as much knowledge as possible. Oh, that's pretty sweet that he was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So I would say he is one of those people that really like put this on the map. And then there's people that are just pushing the envelope of what you can do with glass nowadays. Yeah. Like uh, this guy, Banjo. He makes these crazy intricate sculptural pieces that take weeks and you know even months sometimes just mm-hmm. to like work on parts put these all together and he's kind of for a while was really the head of this industry he was a big part of the movement of getting pipe making into art galleries oh right, everyone yeah. always kind of looks at it as like this degenerate thing you know you're like oh okay i blow glass and everyone's like oh like chihuly and all that you're like no I work on a torch and just kind of manipulate these things. And they're like, oh, okay, so, like, lamp work, you make, like, plates and cups. You're like, no, I make pipes. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's that very small corner of this microcosm of, like, this giant universe of glass. And he really was like, guys, this isn't just a pipe. Like, this is a piece of art. Yeah. And he really got, like, the first big pipe show in an art gallery to happen. Or was a big part of that, at least. So, what is the end game for like anything you're trying to do? Are you trying to get it to the point where you're doing art shows, or you have your own storefront, or if you could take the dream to the most ultimate that you could get it, like what would be like the you know? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't really want to own my own store. I don't want the headache of that. Yeah. Um, trying to keep a shop functional and do what I'm doing here is enough at the moment. Um, but I think trying to get more to an artistic side of things or at least be able to have that outlet would be ideal i don't want to stop making pipes i don't really want to try to turn my pipes into art i want to find another venue to turn something new you want to innovate yeah yeah not anything crazy but i really my goal right now for this place and for what i'm doing at the moment is to bring people from different mediums together yeah. You know, like we've got a bunch of glass blowers here. We have a painter. We have somebody who makes candles. And being in this building with all these different artists, it gives you an opportunity to talk to different people and different ideas. And I think this is one of those things. It's like food. 
it brings everybody together. Yeah, you have a yeah. common goal, whether it be this, that, or the other, but you want to create. Yeah, yeah. And you want to nourish the other people that see this art or eat this food or whatever it is. Yeah. So with um, how many other gla- so in this workspace, how many other glass blowers are you working with? So there are ten people who blow glass. Yeah. So do you guys? Is that like a a good like you know source of like not like friendship but like a, like that creative friendship where you constantly are learning, sharing ideas? Is that like a? Yeah, it definitely helps. It creates a little bit of competition when you see someone on the other end of the shop make something really cool. And yeah. You're like, Damn. All right. I really got to step it up. Or yeah. like Someone will call you out on your stuff. You know, like oh yeah look at this it's really clean it's like yeah but you could have done this better or like well, not to be a dick well, sometimes but <laughs> usually just to be like hey clean it up get it better like you yeah. are capable of doing this and like sometimes when people start to get down on themselves in here it's like yo look at what you were doing six months ago a month ago like look where you are now yeah you are making strides in a better direction yeah. so it's kind of nice to have somebody to hold you accountable or to motivate you to do better yeah so is there um What's the biggest, because, you know, we're working with this many people, you would seem like it would be so many different types of styles or vision. What do you think, with working with this many people, what keeps you guys leveled enough to where there's not, like, a lot of beefing with each other or there's not a, because it's like glass, you know, it could be the point where you're slinging glass at each other, like, I fucking hate you. So what keeps the, uh, because people are real protective over their creativity and, you know, you're really connected to it. You have a lot of passion and vulnerability in it. Like, what, you know, I know, like, with photography, I'm pretty... I put a lot of my life and I guess most people like my family stuff don't know like man I'm really vulnerable about it. I put a lot of my life in a lot of crazy predicaments and because I it's something I feel like I really want to do and so it's helped me even in a sense change the way I socialize or whatever and the way I think and do all that so with being with this many different types as we're in the shop right now it's so many different type of styles or artwork and visions you can just feel the different vibes as you walk through the place what's the common ground that keeps you guys like you know just you know just uh just even just you know weed <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer yeah no um somebody just told me that i really cut you off right before i, I told somebody i was doing glass blowing and, and i never looked at it this way but they were like most glass blowers i think they they you know they, they smoke weed you know yeah <laughs> so, uh so i don't really smoke too much anymore and it's kind of become a joke around the shop because everyone i'm shop mom around here like whenever there's a problem i'm the one that everyone comes to and i have to deal with this stuff like i have help with it i'm not doing this by myself by any means um but since i quit smoking everyone just calls me corporate adam i'm the guy that comes in and kills all the fun (laughs) so what made you quit smoking was it like just a maturity thing or Uh, no i hate that i can't right now um i had some health problems last year i'm still Mm. dealing with and i didn't know what was going on with me i started having all these problems and no one could tell me what was wrong Mm. so my anxiety was through the roof and whenever i would smoke i couldn't like calm myself down i had Mm. to step back i was like all right i gotta quit drinking i gotta quit smoking i need to reevaluate how i'm living because i don't know what's going on with me so i really like i quit smoking for the most part uh quit drinking for a long time i changed up my diet completely making sure that i was trying to put like the best things in my body not saying i'm eating super healthy but like trying to cut out all the chemicals and stuff yeah, Start yeah. working more locally um but yeah so i've just been kind of i completely stopped for a while now like here and there but yeah so is it what if you is, did it improve your glass making did it have any effects on your creativity no it's just more productive yeah <laughs> not yeah. taking so many breaks yeah 
so with uh sorry with because you know i guess making the pipes it goes hand in hand with like you know smoking the weed and mm-hmm. everything and do you uh find yourself uh are you like a weed kind of sewer in the sense do you know a lot about weed in the sense of like since you have such a strong tie to it to what you creatively produce yeah and that kind of is like what led me to this being younger and being into that and being into that culture yeah it does just go hand in hand i mean there are people in here who don't care about you know that whole weed culture and all of that and that's there's nothing wrong with that yeah but a lot of the people you meet are very tied in with that as yeah. well okay so um so like what you have in health scares and you know did that affect the creativity in which that it came out was it like you know because i know health when you have health scares i know a lot of times it gets into you really understanding how much it can drain you mentally and put you in a space where you kind of like it'll drain you you know so was it did it test your creativity or connection to what you were doing going through certain things 100 percent. it really it kind of messed me up for a minute because what was going on was like really kind of scary i didn't know what was happening so i like i struggled to get in here a lot mm. just kind of like hang out at home and like kick it with the dogs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah and then when i did get in here like I said, we all mess with each other a lot. So, yeah. like, it was good to have people kind of joke with me about it, but also, like, some days I just didn't want to deal with it. Right. So, like, being in a shop with this many people and, like, just not wanting to be around people sometimes is really hard. Yeah. And still having, like, what was it? Uh, like, fall of 2019 into pretty much all last year is the busiest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. So I had this pressure of having to work harder than I ever had and that's part of what kind of led up to my health stuff of just pushing myself harder and harder and harder not sleeping not eating right not taking care of myself and it all just kind of came to a head yeah and what really was hard was knowing that I still had to keep working that way and I couldn't Mm. and that just kind of that kept me going and then knowing that like I couldn't keep doing that the way I was doing I was like I gotta reevaluate how I'm living and working and getting this done yeah so I mean that's really I mean it sounds like a journey like with the creativity with personal self and I think that always did you find yourself getting better because usually when you go through stuff like something about your skill or something that you probably were struggling I know I went through that where you know you go through personal stuff and then you realize kind of later like man I totally rock shit and like just kind of killing that strong that shortcoming I had with my creativity did it like stronghold did it did it free you in certain places uh yeah it really gave me time to sit back and think about what I was wanting to do and like what I was talking about with wanting to bring people from other mediums together it gave me more the idea of this big project that I want to work on I haven't really had time to do it lately because I've just been in production mode and filling orders but now that I'm finally kind of caught up I can start to pursue that and it gave me the time to be like I don't care about this stuff I'm gonna do something that I want to do for a little bit Mm kind of make myself happy so I got to do my first couple of pieces like that, and then hopefully, you know, come into the summer, fall, start putting that together some more and getting the show together. Yeah. So with, did you, you know, you say they called you, uh, like, the mature one, I guess, around here. Did that have any effect on anyone in the shop? Like, you just having a certain sense of... Uh, I wouldn't say I'm the mature one by any means, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, um... No, everything kind of just kept going the way it goes. There's enough of us in here. We're all pretty close. Like, everyone knew what was going on. And, you know, other people have things in here they can relate to with a little bit. So it brought some of us a little closer. And, I mean, as much as these guys mess with me and stuff, they really helped me out. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, so, I mean, I don't mean, like, how old are you? 28. Oh, 28, yeah. Yep. So, like, are you the oldest one, youngest one in here? No, um, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. A uh, few of the guys are a little younger. Uh, one of the guys is in his 40s, you know, like, we're a good range of people. Um, I think the youngest person in here is, like, 24, 25. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So with you traveling, I know you said you went out to Vegas. Mm. Were there any other places that you traveled outside? Because Vegas, probably you probably see some pretty cool stuff out there with you know everything as far as the glass. Yeah, Vegas is not my scene. The desert's really cool. I love that, but like all the flashing lights yeah, and just yeah. like consumption, it's hard. Like when you do that, you have to like decompress for a little bit before you go back to reality. It's like yeah. this whole other world of just. Is it fast? Is fast moving or? Yeah. It, it is like the capital for consumerism. You know what mm. I mean? It's all this shit where it's like $2 steaks, $5 lobsters, come spend your money. Like, yeah. it's just <laughs> a lot in your face. And I'm not, I don't enjoy that. Yeah. You know, I've been a few times for work and whatnot, but like, it's never somewhere I'd choose to go for a vacation. Yeah, I feel you. So, what are there any other places you've been in travels that you really enjoy that was connected to the, you know, to your uh, creativity? Yeah, I, um, doing this i've traveled a lot for shows and sales and stuff um but one place with this that really holds like a special place in my heart was like the first show i ever went to was in madison wisconsin Mm. which doesn't sound appealing really at all but uh it's like a good drive out there madison is this little pocket in wisconsin it's a little college town so it's got that hip kind of vibe to it yeah and i my favorite show that we've ever done that they ever held there um was just we went there i think three or four times Mm. and just so that little town has like this special place in my heart whether i'd go there for not going to a show or not i don't think i don't know was it the people the art was it all of it just the vibes yeah i mean it's cool like i said it's younger people it's kind of a hip town there's really good food and like it was one of the shows where it's just artists Mm. a lot of the other shows are like uh one-stop shops for like smoke shops you know like like, grinders and all this like vape stuff and just industry shows yeah this was a glassblower show so like i got to meet a lot of people out there have a lot of really good conversations with people i looked up to Mm. and the one cool thing about this industry is everyone for the most part there's a few exceptions but everyone just just normal people you know no one has this giant ego like they look down on people or won't talk to you like you can go up and start a conversation with this person that you've looked up to for all these years and they'll just talk to you yeah which is really cool and that was one of those places where i really first got to do that and have these conversations and meet these people yeah so was there um any beautiful art i mean as far as the glass that you remember standing out and anything that really you know was like pushed you create creatively because i know i don't know how other people look you know me being creative in general other creativity that has nothing even to do with what I'm creative at, it'll just stimulate me into a whole thought pattern around things. So what was, like, going out there, is it, like, were there any pieces that stood out as far as just memorable beyond things you've, other, you know, you've seen other places? Uh, yeah, I saw some really cool pieces in general. Someone made, like, a whole, uh, like, the stand-up arcade games. Oh. Uh, it's, like, networked one of those where you take a bunch of little rods and, like, stick them all together and make this piece or uh that's fucking sweet somebody made like a replica of the torch i use but it was like a functional thing it had like a little propane tank an oxygen tank that was really cool but the one thing that really like did it for me was seeing other people work because at that point i'd only been blowing glass for maybe a year i was making like super basic shit if i didn't break it you know 
And that was the first time I got to see people outside of the person I was learning from and the people I was working with blow glass. Yeah. And to see how differently they did things blew my mind. So with in, one thing I've looked at when I was looking at you, you know, glass blowers is the amount of energy that you guys have to consume to do the art. Mm. How is the is like the gas bill or electric bill? Does that is that extremely high to have to produce the amount of like energy to, to keep stuff going? It's not extremely high, but it is consistent. Yeah, you know, yeah. like to run those two tanks, like we split those off half and half with the shop. Mm. We all run like a, I mean, if I'm really working, I'll go through like a grill tank, like a propane tank for a grill, like once a week, mm. and that's a little under twenty bucks. Those oxygen tanks aren't too bad. It's just like a lump sum, a couple times a month. But if you get into like a basement setup or like at your house where you're using compressed oxygen, it gets mm. really expensive really fast. Yeah. So with uh, is there any other place outside of Wisconsin? Have you been to like uh, L.A.? Have you been uh, like I know Washington, a certain places, Oregon? You know. I haven't done as much on the West Coast as I'd like. I've been out to San Francisco, not for glass, but just I got out there for a week uh, when I was younger, like right after high school. Um. That is one nice thing of like with glass and then mostly with music, I've traveled quite a bit. And in that like couple of year period where I was really starting, I was all over the place. I yeah. was driving all over the country to go see shows or go do glass stuff. And that really helped me get outside of like that Dayton mindset of yeah, just being yeah. here. Yeah, the Dayton mindset is real across all levels for, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. But it also made me like, love home yeah i appreciate this city a lot of people hate wow. on ohio or dayton in general and i like i really appreciate what we have here like the industry and what we turn out in this city yeah i always you know as i've gotten older i used to hate dayton when i was like younger like you know i wanted to see so much of the world and it felt like none of it was here you know mm -hmm. no culture like no certain things but as i've gotten older Especially, there's little pockets in Dayton. There, there are people who are serious. They do, you know, even well-connected people, whatever, where you can really get in and live passionately, creatively. So, yeah, I learned. I like the low-key of Dayton, too, just yeah. in the sense of where you can just chill to take you on pace. There are a few things you can get into that may, you know, give you some creative vibes or, you know. But, yeah, I feel you on that. It took a while, but I enjoy Dayton now. Yeah, it's like a small community, too, of people who are seriously pursuing art. Yeah. Not as like a side hobby, but people that are doing this for a living. And most of us are producing things. Yeah. Whether it be photography or clothes or whatever, Dayton turns out people that make things. We're a city of producers. It's really. No, yes. Yeah, I feel like that. Because when you look back in the history, you know, where is that? Uh Caroline Park, that, mm -hmm. that place there, if you go and walk through that building with the history and stuff in there, there's so many inventors, inventors from here. There's so many people, I mean, that affected the world, the cash register and yep. all the kind of stuff. So it just seemed like it's in the blood of Dayton. It kind of yeah. runs like deep. You have to get deep with it. But yeah, it's a lot of innovation here, a lot of like inventors and stuff. I try to, anyone that comes here from out of town or anything, I try to take them around Dayton and like, yeah show them what this city has to offer and like for a while it wasn't much yeah, you know what uh, i mean and that everyone kind of looks at it like eh, you're like no like there's a lot going on here it's not big city a lot going on but no yeah certainly like frank lloyd uh, right he built a lot of houses around here mm -hmm. like a lot of things that were you know big to the world they're they're here you just have to have enough appreciation for it to go out and find it or you know know what it is or whatever i mean the damn cheese it 
<laughs> what is that? Well, tell me. Like the cheese, like the snack. Yeah. Like that came out of Dayton. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that at all. Yup. <laughs> How long ago was that? Oh man, they just had an anniversary. I can't remember. That's crazy. I didn't, man. I've never heard that. I love little shit like that. Like, oh, dude, we did that. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, even with people, it seems like it's cliche. The Wright brothers and everything mm-hmm. with the plane and all that. Like, I went to Wilbur. I was just telling you, I went to Wilbur Wright, and yep. so it's there's stuff here. You know, it just seemed. It seems like it kind of came and went. You know, mm-hmm. it, it left when it. You know, it was did good and. I tell her, uh, my assistant, all the time, like, man, I really hate how Dayton sometimes uh, they've torn down really cool buildings. And, like, you know, yeah. it was that McDonald's over there by going out towards Wright State off of Woodman, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like a super retro McDonald's. Like, I had never even seen one like this one before. And they just tore it down and put up a new one. I'm like, what in the world? Like, you should have preserved that. Like, yeah. you know, so sometimes we don't preserve the most, but we got stuff, you know, we got, you know, from music and everything like mm-hmm. funk and all of that stuff like oh, yeah. it, it kind of just started here but it just seems that you know the industry takes it and you, i guess you don't we don't get i guess the credit credit because the fame maybe didn't take off yeah, yeah people get out of dayton when they yeah, do stuff exactly or it gets yeah. outsourced elsewhere yeah man so um is there um are you the only creative one in your family or like you know like mom dad you know nah, brother sisters uh my mom's mom is a professional violinist she was a teacher um my aunt like my dad's sister does like stained glass and stuff oh nice um not a whole lot though like they all kind of have something going on for the most part pretty normal not super creative lifestyles yeah are you uh are you the only child or you yeah okay yeah yeah and so um do you uh do you uh draw any Cause I know, like, I was just telling somebody about, like, cause I have a son, and it's crazy to see him how they take stuff from you. Like, you know, I can see, like, man, like, he makes beats, my son, and like, he's really into like Earl Sweatshirt, and every time he doesn't even know what these artists are talking about. But it was like <laughs> there were the people I were into. He just picked yeah. it up. So, do you see anything, or maybe you picked it up from people that you grew up or were raised by or inspired by? Oh, for sure, uh, directly or indirectly. Like, I don't know. It's hard not to. And, like, whenever I sit down with my grandma, like, my mom's mom, we have a lot in common. Yeah. And she is a different type of creative and has, like, different things going on. But we click on a lot of levels that I don't with some of the other family. Yeah. And, like, the friends that she has around her are the same kind of friends that I keep around. So I definitely see that. And, like, when my mom was younger, she was more into that um, kind of lifestyle. My dad's always been pretty, like, works, does his thing. But he's always, like, he's always hustled. He's always had something, whether it was, like, buying and selling cars or whatever. Like, ever since I was young, he's always had a drive to do something else so to make money. So entrepreneur in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, his dad owned his own bricking company, sold oh, yeah. it to his son. Like, that definitely runs in my family of, like, I can work for someone else for a while, but I can't do this forever. Like Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. So is that one thing? Because I know for me, like, I don't like working for it's not like a lazy thing it's not like a i really feel like i go through depression because my natural inclination is to let my mind wander in the sense of like what inspires me what like i feel and i mean i write poetry i wrote you know i do the photography i do clothing lines so like a lot of the time my head is like perceiving color i'm mm. perceiving like shape and form and i'm just doing my own thing in my head so you know i don't know i I started thinking about what was my what did I originally bring up sorry because I started thinking about something when I said that to you <laughs> I forgot my way sorry I forget about that but 
Um, as far as like with the glass going to something else with the glass blowing, do you is there anything you don't like about it? Is there something like man, it could make me want to flip a whole glass, you know, table over? I mean, that's the thing about glasses. You can get down to a finished piece mm. and go to take it off the handle and it can break. And it's done. Like, that's, that's it. That's crazy. There's yeah. no coming back from that. Like, maybe a small part of it breaks and you can, like, tear that off and reattach something. But, like, at any given point in time, it can just be done. You got to start from scratch. And you can have 10 minutes or eight hours in this piece. Mm. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes. But it's frustrating. Patience is key. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing this has really taught me, just, like, the process. Yeah. So, with the... Uh, um, what caused that? Because I was watching the videos where a lot of people were glass making and they were doing this stuff. Like, is it the way you were handling it that causes the break? Is it just the temperature? Does everything... A combination. You're causing stress in the glass. I mean, you're taking something that is never really happy to start with. Glass is a really weird... On a molecular level, it's a liquid. Mm. If you were to take, like, a micrometer and look at it, that's the wrong word. If you were to take, like, the right equipment and look at it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look like a solid. Mm. And it is one of those things, like, you get it hot enough, it turns to a liquid. Or if you get the wrong stuff too hot, it turns into a gas. So it never truly, like, settles, settles. So if you have one piece that's thicker than the other piece and you leave it out of the kiln for too long or something, mm. they're going to cool down at different temperatures. And it's mm. going to cause the stress to just give. Or, you know, maybe you didn't make the right kind of connection. It's stressed out. It's never really happy, but you are trying to make it as happy as possible and keep all the right elements going. Yeah. So with like being able to glass blow, you have to understand a bit of science as well. Like it just comes hand in hand. You have to understand the science. And uh, is there any other thing you would probably? Because I know, like with me, I do uh, fashion photography. So like people will catch me like in the women's shoe aisles. I'll be like in makeup, and they'll be like, "Why is he just rummaging <laughs> through all this?" And I never planned to be thinking that I'll be in the women's shoe aisle or makeup or looking up looking for pantyhose that match this dress or whatever. But that's the way it goes, though. Yeah. So is there any odd thing you had to pick up to be able to get with the creativity, or odd just little things you have to do on like learning science or certain properties that make sure you can really execute anything else it really helps um a lot of people get away without knowing anything beyond like what temperature their kiln needs to be at and how to not you know put stuff together half-assed yeah but if you do understand a little bit of chemistry and just like take the time to learn a little bit beyond what you're doing with your hands it can go a long way like there are people that and make the colors obviously mm. and they have like advanced chemistry degrees and that's mm. what they do is they'll take these chemicals and mix them together and make these beautiful colors i don't want to be that far into it yeah. but it does help to know like when you're mixing the oxygen and the propane in your flame where like the hottest point is where mm. like an oxygenate oxygenated flame is or a reducing like propane heavy flame is simple stuff like that or like what temperatures your glass is going to melt at or where your kiln needs to sit so you don't slump anything or keep it too cold. So with the color, I heard you've mentioned it a couple of times through the interview, like, so people, like, how are they making their own color? What do they do them to make their own colors? So it's taking borosilicate glass is what we use, like the clear, like Pyrex dishes or borosilicate glass, like that's a brand. So they're taking boro or boron and mixing it with a few other chemicals, whether it be cobalt to make blue glass or like cadmiums, like even cadmium paint, like the reds and yellows and stuff like that is the same in glass. Mm. I don't know too much of it, 
beyond that, but you're taking a giant crucible, like this massive hot pot of clear glass and other chemicals and mixing it over a period of days, letting all the bubbles and scuzz come out of it, doing all that, and eventually you have, like, whether it works or not, these colors. Now there are people that have made colors and they're not quite compatible with what you're normally using or other things. There are several things that can go wrong. But it is a long process. Like if you mess up, you're losing pounds of product at a time. Is that a lot of? Is it expensive to do this to make the colors? No, I would imagine not. I mean, glass material itself is not insanely expensive. You know, like a pound of colored rod goes anywhere from like forty to one hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, yeah. So like the people making it are definitely having a good turnaround. Now, I know, like, with photography, the equipment is, like, I mean, I feel like you're always updating. As soon as they outdate something technologically, you're having to probably sometimes spend thousands of dollars, I mean, just to edit the pictures or just to get a certain, you know, just to take the pictures. Is uh, glass blowing in the sense of what you're doing, is it very expensive as far as the equipment you have to buy? Is it, like, crazy you're spending five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, or is it? No. Uh, I think to get a proper initial setup, and here's the thing is like the torches you buy and stuff, unless you want a bigger torch or a nicer torch, they aren't going to go out of date. Mm. There's people still running the same torches from the nineties that are just mm. doing just as well. Yeah. Um, but I think like spending five grand on an initial setup to get like a decent fan for ventilation, a torch, some tools, a little bit of glass to get you started, like isn't out of the question. Yeah. So I've seen on the internet that people were using a lot of ovens where they were using these long, uh, metal poles and i didn't even know i thought glass blowing a lot of people when i looked at it when i first initially heard about it i thought it was like a machine that did the blowing but i saw Mm. where some people literally blow into the pole Mm -hmm. or the pipe or whatever and do you guys use an oven like that ever around here no so that's two different types of glass blowing that's like chihuly and all that kind of stuff that's uh soft glass that stuff is like a coe 109 and that's the coefficient of expansion. That is how long it's going to stay hot, how far you can go. Like mm. That stuff stays hot a lot longer, and they start with molten glass in an oven. Yeah, They'll pick it up yeah. on the pole, manipulate it. We start with like tube and rods and get it hot on a torch. Mm. And I think the Boro is COE like 33, so it is a lot harder. doesn't hold heat near as long. So we're taking something that already exists, not in molten form, and reshaping it, putting patterns on it, um, just through like a blowpipe, then much smaller scale than what they're doing. Okay, so what? Uh, okay, so it's a. Uh, why do they? Uh, why do they need to use the oven versus the torch? Like, is there just to get the like the for the heat factor to keep it hotter longer? Or because I've seen it where they'll take. Basically, it looked like glass. They said it was glass, but it wasn't like clear glass. It was mm-hmm. like it looked like almost like broken up chalk or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they put it in the oven, and they melted it, and then they kind of stuck the rod in, and they began to manipulate it. Yep. I don't know if you've ever done it. Is it because it seemed like because the rod seemed like it was about ten feet long? So mm-hmm. it's like I'm thinking you have to have a lot of precision to be that intricate from ten feet away and just be moving it and turning it. And they usually work with an assistant as well. Yeah, I've so seen they'll that, work yeah. on a bench and have someone else assisting them. They're called a gaffer. Gaffer, okay. Um, with this, you don't need an assistant. Like I said, it's a much smaller scale. Um, with the broken up pieces, that's usually uh, literally broken up color or like powdered color. It's called frit. Mm. We still use some of that, but with our type of glass, 
Um, what they're doing with that is adding color to the clear to make whatever colored piece they're making. Yeah. Um, I would like to do more stuff in a hot shot with the soft glass. It's you're going a lot bigger usually, and it's a very different process. It's uh, for me, it's hard. I can't. I've only done it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but the people that do that are crazy. Working these massive bowls and stuff like that. Yeah, it was crazy seeing them be so intricate just with that little pole, man, mm-hmm. and just twisting it and moving it and getting all that exactness out of it. It was very exact. So that was very crazy. It was something else I was going to ask. Uh, man, uh, something. Oh, marbles. So I guess that was something that went over my head. Like, I didn't know marbles were considered uh, glass blowing. And, like, mm-hmm. it's like. It's a lot of intricate work you have to put in if you're really making a good marble and you're doing it right. Like, they put a lot of work, which I didn't know marbles went back hundreds, th- like thousands of years ago. People been like the Egyptians and all of them were doing marbles, but I think they were doing like wooden ones and everything. Mm-hmm. Glass marbles are pretty recent as far as like them coming about. But yeah, that was interesting how marbles were a whole glass, you know, blowing, you know. Yeah. I think, what was the question you had, Amanda, about how they do what again with the color? Because they can interweave all the different colors in and out of the uh, marble, and we. Mm-hmm. With that, some of that stuff, like the colors that are twisted up in the marble, mm-hmm. will be like uh, some rods of color, and they'll stick clear on it. Or put rods of color outside of the clear and twist it up. I see, yeah. So then, once you put the clear over that, the color is inside, and you can twist that. I could actually show you some of that before you leave too. Okay, how that sweet, process yeah. is done. It's. Without visual assistance, it's hard to explain how things are done. Yeah. Especially yeah. for me, like when people are trying to explain something I have no idea about, I'm like, you're going to have to show me, man. I'm not, like, I can't just catch on to that without yeah, yeah. some kind of assistance. Yeah, man. So is there anything, because I know we're about to wrap it up and everything. So is there any, like, I know people who may hear this who may not know anything about glass blowing or may be interested, would there be any advice or any just notions you would give anybody about, you know, about glass blowing? Be ready to spend some money. I, <laughs> no, I, uh, it was a big joke for a while, you know. Like, any advice you have any for, have for somebody? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, there are definitely, especially now, there are more places around here where you can go take classes or at least go see someone blow glass in this capacity. So just start looking. Ask. I think anyone in this industry, at least around here, is happy to share information. You yeah, know, there's yeah. a lot. It was kind of like tattooing for a while, but much newer where people really didn't want to share some of the information. They didn't want to teach people. But at the end of the day, the pipe industry is mostly a bunch of stoners, and they don't care. So, like, <laughs> you want to know how to do this? Come on. Like, yeah, yeah. I may not pay you to do it, but I'll show you. Like, you can clean the shop and watch. Yeah, That's yeah. another big thing of getting an apprenticeship like tattooing. Like, um, when I taught Beans, that was kind of his thing. It was like, come in, clean the shop. You can hang out and watch. At the end of the day, you can get on the torch and mess around a little bit. If this is something you really want to pursue, we'll, you know, work on that later. So he'd come in, sweep the shop, take the trash out, clean the bench, and then just hang out all day. Like, you got to have commitment to it. It's not going to go fast. It's not going to be fun at times. It's really going to suck at times. But if it's something you want to pursue, just keep going, and it'll turn around. Oh, nice, man. So I really appreciate you taking out the time, man, letting us into the beautiful shop. I really enjoyed all the art and everything. And the best, uh, you know, I don't like to say luck, but the best of blessings to you guys getting married. Thank you. In the coming week and everything. So we're going to talk to you guys later. Who is he? He needs to get out more. Or either get out of here like some dang outlaw standing like lurch. No herb in the record bin. Called him for a random search for curbside checking.